this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Welcome to Jamie All Over. You may be wondering where I was last week. I actually had an interview already recorded, which I will still put out, but I needed to do an intro for it and I lost my voice. I couldn't do an intro and you'll even hear it in this upcoming interview with Lisa Carmen Wang, I was kind of like getting over, it was like the last few days when I was just kind of getting my voice back. And I did this interview because she is just so busy. I didn't want to put it off and I'm definitely congested. So I apologize about that. But I do want to get this out for you because it is such valuable information. I absolutely love this interview. These are the kind of episodes where I'm like, this is why I have a podcast. This is the information that I want to bring, especially to women. It's super important about self-worth, investing. We get into something that Lisa calls good girl brainwashing, such valuable information. And I relate to her on so many levels. And I think any woman who has worked in any male-dominated industry can also absolutely relate to this. Or even if not career-wise, they can probably relate to the good girl brainwashing, which Lisa gets into more. But basically with her growing up, she was taught to be good and listen and follow rules and follow directions. And it worked for her for a while. She was four-time USA national champion and Hall of Fame gymnast. And it got her really far. She got into Yale But eventually when she got into Wall Street and in the entrepreneurial world is when it clicked for her. She says, looking back, I wish someone had told me that being a good girl was not a prize. It was a trap, a trap that came with insurmountable expectations and invisible chains of self-doubt and shame. Her story is so amazing. She's super successful. She's a public speaker. She's a serial entrepreneur, angel and crypto investor, a branding advisor, writer, executive coach. She founded the Bad Bitch Empire, which we talk about, and she is on a mission to build unapologetic self-worth and wealth for women. She's coached over 100,000 women to build their personal and financial confidence. She was named Forbes 30 Under 30, Entrepreneur Magazine's 100 Most Powerful Woman, Red Bull Hero of the Year, and inducted into the Red Shoe Movement Hall of Fame for creating a more equitable workplace. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, The Atlantic, Reuters, Fortune, Forbes, USA Today, The Washington Post, 
and it's very exciting. She is currently working on her first book with Harper Collins, and it's going to be all about her hard-earned lessons as a bad bitch in business, and that is expected to be published fall of 2023. As I mentioned before, she is a graduate of Yale University with a BA in literature. The way I found Lisa is that my brother suggested her as a guest. He said that she and I have a lot in common. We would get along great. She's into crypto as well. She's all about empowering women. She gave a talk or several talks at my brother's company, and that's where he met her and uh, stayed in contact with her. She's helped him with public speaking engagements. So I'm just so happy he introduced her to me as well. Some things we get into in addition to the good girl brainwashing and the public speaking aspect is the question, why are you single? A lot of successful women get this question and we tackle it and our thoughts on it. We also discuss how women are left out of investing and crypto for the most part and what we can do to change that, why it's important to change that. Oh, and she has a podcast, which I have been in love with. I've been listening to every episode. Her guests are fantastic. And it's called Bad Bitch Empire Podcast. I definitely suggest you guys check it out. And her motto is a bad bitch takes charge of her body, her boundaries, and her bank account. So without any further ado, let's get to the interview with Lisa Carmen Wang. I am joined today by the bad bitch herself, Lisa Carmen Wang. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Jamie. I'm excited to be here. So excited to have you. I was introduced to you through my brother, actually. He said that you had given some talks for his company and he recommended you on it. He said we have a lot in common and I'm just so happy that he introduced me to all things Lisa Carmen Wang. I've been devouring your podcasts. I absolutely love it. You're really big into crypto, I hear, and women investing, which I love and I want to get into. But I also want to talk about the public speaking. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's it's interesting because I've grown up actually my whole life really being painfully shy and introverted. And I remember back when I was a kid, because I was a, a gymnast for a decade. So it's like if I wasn't in the gym, I was in the library. Like I literally read the entire young adult teen section. I think there was like not a single book that I did not read because those were my friends. And I was so shy that I couldn't really talk to people in school. And gymnastics gave me that outlet because I could like physically perform with my body, but I had such a hard time vocally showing up. And I almost like compensated for that. So it's like I could perform in front of hundreds of thousands of people on that mat. But when it came time to raising my hand and speaking in class and actually sharing my ideas and my voice, I always felt like my ideas were dumb or that I didn't have something intelligent to say. And it was just like really, really scary. And so I think I always also felt like I didn't belong, you know, as like one of the few Asians in Wisconsin and then like Chicago. I think growing up when I finally got into my professional life, into my career and getting into all these male dominated industries, like I started on Wall Street, then I was in tech in Silicon Valley and now crypto. It was again that feeling of like, oh, I don't belong as a woman, as an underrepresented individual, as someone who's young and people don't take me seriously. And I think I honestly 
I worked so hard through this like imposter syndrome or just this feeling of not being good enough and wondering, wait a minute. And I think I, I think it's like I would see these mediocre men in leadership positions and I was like, I have so much more to say. Yes. I think I got sick of it and like something just clicked inside of me where I was like, I have unique experiences and as a woman and actually none of those experiences are given a voice. And I really... I think, dug down inside of me to find that confidence to be like, my voice mattered. Every single person has a voice that matters, including myself. And actually, I've had so many of these experiences that it's actually my duty to share my stories and my lessons that I've learned because I've been through so much. So I think I shifted and like got over that fear of speaking publicly because I changed it from, I'm insecure, I don't think I'm good enough to... I have a duty and a responsibility to share my story to uplift and empower others. So when I took the focus away from myself and was like, I'm here for impact, I'm here to be a leader, that really gave me that confidence boost to be like, this is my purpose to go out and do that and share my voice. And because when I do that, that's going to give other women the confidence to do the same themselves. That's amazing. And that's such great advice is to take the focus off yourself And, you know, all of the crazy ideas that come into our heads that we're not good enough or nobody wants to hear what we're going to say and I'm not important enough and put the focus on being of service and that you're there for them. It's such a great technique for public speaking. And then I would also imagine the more you do it, the more confident you get doing it. Yeah. I remember the first time I pitched as an entrepreneur. So when I was building my very first company, you have to do practice pitches before you go in front of investors and then you'll do these big rooms where you pitch your company in front of hundreds of people and the first time is like my heart's beating my hands are like shaking and I can like barely hear myself think and my face would get super red and I think there was also this survival thing where I was like as an entrepreneur if I don't learn how to public speak and pitch my company my company dies so I better learn how to do this and fast yeah so I pitched that company hundreds of times and it was like I think by the time it was like pitch number 75 I was like okay I'm pitching the same thing over and over again but each time I feel more comfortable the other thing was like I became more comfortable pitching myself Because I think a lot of women have this challenge of like, oh, I don't like to promote myself. I don't want to brag. I don't want to seem too egotistical. As an entrepreneur, it was like, okay, these investors are going to invest in me as a leader, first and foremost. So if I don't talk about my track record, if I don't sell my own experience, no one else is going to do that for me. So I think one part is just getting comfortable public speaking overall. The other is publicly speaking about yourself and telling your own story, doing that in a way that's confident, but that's not cocky. Exactly. So you mentioned you got to a point where you just were fed up. And Mm -hmm. I feel like that kind of rolls into your whole idea of the good girl brainwashing. When did you kind of put all of this together? So I feel like I've been a good girl my whole life in this definition of being taught to be 
polite and pleasing and hardworking and following the rules and, you know, not being too loud and not taking up too much space and not being too assertive. And that actually got me really far. You know, it was like, be an obedient gymnast, listen to your coach, don't challenge authority. Same thing with teachers. And I got the gold medals and I got the straight A's. And I think that also got me into, you know, Yale University. And then that got me a great job on a hedge fund. And so like the world does reward us for being good girls because it's like, follow the rules, do the right thing, and you're going to get a good job. I think it'd also be like, and you'll get a good partner. Your whole life will be made. But I think for women who want to be, like who are ambitious and like want more, there's always this moment where it's like, wait a minute, being a good girl might get me in the door, but it certainly does not get me respect. It doesn't get me leadership position. It doesn't give me access. And I think it certainly doesn't give you power or the ability to create impact. And I think that there's this moment, especially in business, where it's like every woman's like, being a good girl gets me in the door, but if I want to succeed and be a leader, I got to be a bad bitch. And so I say good girl brainwashing is all those societal media messages that reinforce that you have to be polite and pleasing and perfect and not ask for more and not demand your worth and to settle. Bad bitches never settle is really my mantra. It's like you don't settle for mediocre behavior. You don't settle for a mediocre job. You don't settle for mediocre men. You don't settle for just a mediocre life that isn't aligned with your passions and your dreams. I think I started realizing that my good girl behavior that's been ingrained in me was not serving me to getting to the next level. And I was seeing all these guys who were like raising millions of dollars for their startups, men who were getting into these leadership positions and you know they're total assholes and like mediocre sometimes I joke you know walk into the room with the confidence of a mediocre white man and we all know what that means (laughs) where it's like the woman who's so overqualified but she feels not good enough and not confident and doesn't advocate for herself I think I just got really sick of it and adding on top just you know the difficulties and like some of the violations of boundaries that happen as a young woman in professional settings and then I was just I think at one point straw just broke the camel's back and I was like screw it I'm so tired of this being a good girl is not getting me where I want time to be a bad bitch I love that and I think so many women have their own personal story that would mirror that as well for me I just recently got out of commercial real estate I have so many stories I could tell. And I don't even know what the final thing was. There was a straw that broke the camel's back. But I remember when I first started, I wasn't an agent. So I didn't have my license. I was just working in commercial property management. But I would work with other brokers. And I basically did the full deal. I did the work of our attorney. I did the work of the brokers, all male. And I would hand over these enormous commission checks to our broker who simply just had their name on the sign in the front of our building. And I remember handing over these huge checks to these guys and they would be like, oh, thanks, Jamie. I owe you a coffee. (laughs) And I'm like, keep your keep your coffee. Right. So at which point I decided, okay, well, forget this. I need to get my license. I don't want to lose out on these commissions. I know how to do all this work. I can do it better than any of these guys can do it. Why am I just handing over these commission checks? So I get my license. And then I start noticing they're still acting as if they're doing me a favor by giving me my commission checks. As if like it wasn't expected for me to get paid for my work. It was the most bizarre thing. And it was all these like older brokers that were just like, oh, okay, well, I wasn't going to give commission. It's like, no, you don't, you don't 
that's not how this works. We split the commission. It don't act like you're doing me a favor by letting me get paid. So it was just this like constant thing. And then I think I just realized at one point, I'm like, you know what? I'm sick of like fighting for a seat at the table. And now that I actually have a seat at the table, I don't even want to be here anymore with you people. (laughs) And thankfully, I ended up leaving. But what advice do you have for other women in that position where it's like sometimes we may not want to speak up because we are so brainwashed into thinking we're just so lucky to be there. We might be the only woman in the room. And it's like, I want to let women know you're not lucky to be there. You deserve to be there. Yeah. I mean, I think it's like there is this sort of gut check of I think there's so many times we've been in those positions where we're like confused, you know, like, wait, shouldn't I get paid more? Wait, this doesn't really feel right. Or even like, I think that gut check sometimes comes in where it's like you're getting paid in compliments, right? Guys are like, oh, you have so much potential. Oh, you're so smart. Oh, you. And then you get this high from compliments and you're like, wait a minute. But if they're complimenting me so much on how hard I work and how much value I bring to the table, but that's not being reflected in my bank account, I'm a little confused. Yeah. Whether it's business, whether it's relationships, if you're confused, you have your answer. Because it's like usually when someone respects you and they value you, it's very clear cut. They're like, you're doing a great job. You should be compensated fairly. Here, it's like money is commiserate with what you have done. If there's shady stuff of like, oh yeah, we can't do it right now. Or like, oh, for some reason we don't have the budget, but you're doing a great job. Keep doing what you're doing. Oh, it's going to come soon. There's so many ways that men in particular, deflect when women even ask. And somehow they also turn it around so that you feel kind of bad. If they're toxic, then you're like, wait, oh shit, maybe I shouldn't have asked. Maybe I should just be grateful. So I think just simply being aware of every time you have these feelings of gratitude, when you didn't actually get anything, (laughs) it's like, wait, and now I'm confused. There's something wrong here. Just know that that's a sign. Okay, that's great advice. And I like that you compare it to in a relationship if you feel confused (laughs) to like something. You're not supposed to feel confused, you know? You're supposed to feel secure in everything that is happening. So speaking of relationships, you and I both apparently get the same question a lot, which is why are you single? I'm not sure if it drives you as crazy as it does me, as if being single is a bad thing or there must be something negative for why we're choosing to be single at this moment. What are your thoughts on all of that? First of all, I was like, there is no shortage of men who want to be with me. Let's get that clear. Like Mm -hmm. if you're a confident, successful, attractive, intelligent woman, you're single because you're choosing to be single because you have high standards, right? And it's like, yes, it's really hard to find someone who holds themselves to just as high of a standard who respects you and is not intimidated by being with a powerful woman who yeah, is secure enough in himself and has done the inner work to be able to handle a bad bitch. We have to reframe it because it's not for lack of availability. Yeah. It's just, wait, I have high standards and I'm not willing to settle. When you as a woman can really embrace that and come from a position of power, it's like there's just a smaller pool for us as powerful bad bitches where it's like there are just not as many people who have done enough work and have high enough standards that meet my standards I remember a mentor many many years ago he said to me early on in my career and he was like just so you know Lisa the more successful you get and the more powerful you get as a woman your pool of available men is 
decrease like it's already 10% but it's probably gonna be like 1% how do you feel about that I was like I'm not worried because yeah I'm not gonna not go after my dreams just because the pool of available bachelors is like not gonna be there I also believe in like manifesting you attract the energy that you put out I am not at that stage yet if you had to force me to choose between my empire and my love life I'm going to choose my empire. Maybe there will be a point at which I'll be open to that, but that's a different phase in life that I'm just not there yet. Yeah, and like the pool that shrinks when you become successful, it's also shrinking when you become self-aware and you realize your worth and all of these things that sort of level us up. It then makes that pool smaller and smaller because there's so many people out there that aren't doing that work that can't match you. Mm -hmm. So it's definitely tough, but you're absolutely right. That doesn't mean you shouldn't stop making yourself become the better version of you and going after your dreams. So yeah, I love that you have that realization. And that's also why I froze my eggs, right? Because I was like the last frontier of women really having equal opportunity is the ability to control our bodies and take charge of our bodies. And that's also fertility technology that has made it possible for us to say, I want to have my babies when I want on my timeline, if that's something that I choose to do. I think that also just brings back a lot of power. So that's something that I did recently and I was like okay once I have this done like that's my that's my insurance policy I'm taking charge of my destiny and my body now it's time to build the empire and I'm actually putting out my egg freezing documentary soon because I like vlogged the whole thing taking the needles and stuff so that's going to be out on like bad bitch empire soon wow that's amazing good for you I can't wait to watch that so let's discuss the empire what do you have going on So yeah, the empire, the Babbage Empire is building unapologetic worth and wealth for women. There's three core pillars. There's the education, the media, and then the investment. When I talk about unapologetic worth and wealth, I talk about investing. Investing is the number one most powerful generator of wealth, but women are not given the exposure, they're not given the education, they're not given the access to really invest confidently. And so my focus is to make sure that women have those resources, that education, and the access to invest in incredible opportunities and asset classes. So we focus specifically on what we call private markets. So that's not the stock market. That's things like crypto and startups. As an angel and crypto investor myself, I share a lot of that knowledge to help women really think about all these alternative assets that they can invest in that really can bring significantly higher returns. So I love personally investing in female founders as an angel investor. And so one of the things that we're gonna do is we're gonna actually launch the Bad Bitch Empire Fund soon to allow people to invest in some of the amazing female founded companies that bad bitch empire gets access to that is awesome so with that fund would you say you can bring in some women who maybe think that they don't have enough to invest do you pull it all together or how does that work exactly yeah so oftentimes for people to invest in venture funds you need half a million to a million dollars we're making it accessible to women at a much much lower rate to be able to put their money in and then get exposure to a whole portfolio of incredible female founded companies so we focus on three core areas number one is health and wellness so any companies that are really advancing women's you know fertility mental physical health and wellness then we're focusing on economic empowerment so companies that are really making sure women are getting access to the right sort of economic empowerment resources and then third is 
access and advancement. So that's specifically helping women advance in leadership positions in the workplace, you know, getting into those C-suite roles. So any tools that enhance culture. So within this thesis, if women are interested, they want to invest in companies that are advancing and uplifting women, they can invest in the fund and at a lower rate so that we can collaboratively and collectively pool our funds and actually invest in incredible women. That's amazing. I've had dreams of something like that, wishing something like that would exist. So thank you for bringing that to life. I have so many listeners that reach out to me and ask me for tips on investing. They see I was a first-time investor in the restaurant Sugar Taco and now our new plant-based butcher concept and then our sister company, which is a tequila brand, and it's all women-founded. And I get so many questions about, you know, how do they even start? They have no idea. They're never offered it. And I love my two female founders because they could have taken investment money from men. They were ready to go. And they said, no, we are only going to take investments from women, potentially, and hopefully first-time investors, and teach them how to do this. And thankfully, I was one of them allowed in. And now I just want to keep giving it back and teaching other women. And we've actually had a couple of listeners invest in our, you know, in Sugar Taco and in the plant butchers because we were able to show them how to do that. And they, they never envisioned themselves as an investor before. Mm. I don't know what the stat is. Isn't, isn't it like less than 4% of loans go to women? Well, less than 2% of all venture funding goes to women and less than 0.2% to women of color. So it's outrageous. Wow. Yeah. It's awesome to hear that you invest too. The Bad Bitch Empire Fund hasn't officially gone public, so it's all within our community. But I mean, I think it'd be so cool to to have you. Oh, I would love to. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga, Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. And we're actually, for Sugar Taco, we've got a great group of female investors, and we're actually, I just got off a call yesterday, we're trying to plan like a retreat to Mexico, and to help teach other women how to invest. And your name came up and I was like, I'm interviewing someone tomorrow that might be a great speaker. Like we need to bring her into this mix. But I think you just recently either had a retreat or went on a retreat I saw on social media. Yeah, we had um, at the Consensus Crypto Conference in Austin, we did a Bad Bitch Mansion. It was just a really awesome, we said unapologetic space for women, especially at a very male-dominated conference. Oftentimes it's really uncomfortable. And so we wanted to create this really awesome space that women at the conference come to and feel like a bad bitch. How many women would you say attended the conference if you had to guess or a percentage? I mean, I'm sure it's so small, but I feel like it's probably still less than 10% for sure. And there were there were thousands of people at that conference. Okay. 
And I actually just heard a story on your most recent podcast, how you were harassed there. It brought me back to a time when I was in Las Vegas, something kind of similar happened, but I had a way different reaction than you did. Your reaction is the one that I want to teach all my listeners to have, but to give some backstory on how I handled it, I ended up in a holding cell. So <laughs> I was there for the daytime Emmys. A couple of my friends were, were nominated. This was maybe like 10 years ago. And after the Emmys, we went to an after party and I remember exactly, I was wearing this blue strapless dress with a zipper in the back. A guy came up to me, we were at the bar, a guy came up to me and pulls the back of my zipper down, completely exposing me oh in God. this entire club. So my reaction, I'm from Jersey, I'm Sicilian, <laughs> I have a temper. My reaction, I turn around and I kick him as hard as I could. I just attacked him in the balls with my heels. Now... I'm the one that ends up being put in handcuffs mm. and brought to the holding cell of that hotel. I was like, this is Vegas. You must have security cameras everywhere. I was attacked. What I did was self-defense. You should be able to replay these cameras. They refused to look up any security footage. They kept me in the holding cell and they made me apologize to him in order for oh me to God. be released. Hopefully that would never happen today. This was 10 years ago, mm. but you handled your situation way better. And I, I would hope to think that this point in my life, I would handle it the same way. Yeah. So I was at this crypto conference and it was one of those cocktail hours after the event where all the investors and entrepreneurs are getting together. And I was talking to, well, this man started talking to me. He was much, much older, clearly someone quote unquote important, like partner at some fund. And he starts talking to me and like immediately I get some sort of weird vibes, but basically he then asked me what I want to drink and it's an open bar. So I'm like, he's bigger. He can, you know, reach and get there faster. So I tell him my drink order. And then the first thing he does is we're standing there and he kind of slips his hand, you know, across my lower back. And then it was just like, wait a minute, what's his hand doing? And I kind of, you know, do the shuffle and like move away. And I'm like, okay, now I'm feeling a little uncomfortable. Like, I don't like this. So I just said, hey, I'm going to go see my other friends and goodbye. I didn't need that drink. And so I'm talking in a group of five or so people. And next thing I know, this guy has come up behind me and he slaps my ass, hands me my drink and says, here you go and walks away. It was so out of nowhere, so abrupt, and like everyone in the group was just shocked. Even these guys who had never seen that before, and they're like, I can't believe this actually happens. And my friend was super upset, and she was actually a Jersey girl too, and she was just like, I'm gonna, I gotta <laughs> F this guy up. And I just kind of stood there stunned. So what I ended up doing was like, okay, almost calculating really quickly in my head, where's my advantage here? I obviously am... I'm much smaller. I'm five foot two petite. And this guy was maybe six four and much larger. And I was like, one, this is a professional setting, right? There's many people in my industry where, you know, like reputation is important. And I was like, I can't go crazy here. And who knows what sort of influence this guy has. And like, I don't have the physical advantage. So I ended up going to a partner who was, he's a partner of another fund and he was organizing the event. And I was like, hey, this is what happened. You need to do something about this. And he was actually like, oh my God, this is disgusting. I'm so sorry this happened to you. He was like, point him out to me. So I pointed him out and I was like, it's that guy. And he was like, oh, here's what he does. He's actually a gross guy. I'm not surprised that a guy like that does that here. 
and he's like i'll let the other organizers who invited him know he's like do you want he actually is like do you want me to destroy him for you i was like like we don't need to get any physical brawl but people should know he did end up talking to him later and have a conversation and i know that this other guy the perpetrator he was super angry apparently this partner was like he was got super upset he was yelling and he was like ranting in some unintelligible way and i was like it's so funny that he got upset Well, you know, when people are defensive, it usually means they know that they're wrong. Yeah, the guilty always deflect. And so I was like, at least it did feel better because then what the other, the ally, the male ally, what he said was like, you know, I told him that of all the people, do not upset Lisa because she's got a voice. She's got a platform. (laughs) Like basically here's this low key threat. And so I was like, yeah, exactly. And I think when I thought about it later, like it was total violation of like my space and my body and my boundaries. But I was like, you know, at this point, that's what should be done. His name is out there. People know I'm not going to go about publishing an article X, Y, Z. And I'm very grateful that it wasn't worse and it wasn't a public setting. But I have an empire to build. This guy is on my blacklist and i don't know if you've ever watched game of thrones but this one girl like Arya stark she yeah well she has her like list of like people to kill kill list (laughs) yeah her kill list (laughs) literally and i'm like i've got that kill list in my mind i mean not literally but don't we all (laughs) the blacklist bad bitch blacklist like you are never getting access i think it was just a good learning experience too because i often talk about having space between the stimulus and the response Because a lot of times you like emotionally react and that's usually not the best reaction you can have. So when you have space between like something that happens and you're like, okay, I'm going to respond and like respond from a position of power rather than like allowing that instinctive reaction that's coming out of fear or anger or frustration affect me. Because I do think, you know, even to your story, even though that happened a decade ago, the advantage is not on the woman's side, especially if she acts quote unquote crazy in any sense, because it's so easy to then just blame the woman. And so we're much more in power when we're in control and can speak from a very grounded, powerful way and be like, this is what happened. I do think men have a responsibility to then like, if you are in a position of power, like it's not on us as women to change the men. You know, it's like the men have to do it themselves. And then the allies, if you actually say that you are a supporter of women, speak up for us too. Mm -hmm. Be an actual advocate. There's just like a lot of pieces in that story where I was like, what does it mean to have a grounded and powerful response? What does it mean to calculate where your advantages or disadvantages as a woman in those scenarios so that you don't get thrown into jail? And then the third is like, how do you allow the allies around you to empower you so you have as much advantage on your side as possible? I love all of that because even in my situation, I just, even after I did that, I felt unempowered because I'm sitting there in this holding cell and I have my friend outside begging and pleading for them to let me go saying like, and again, almost blaming me. She was saying things like, this is out of character. She doesn't normally do this and apologizing for my behavior when I was just defending myself in self-defense, but still it was out of that raw emotion rather than putting space between me and the incident and realizing how can it come from a place of power instead of this yeah. raw emotion. And like I said, I, I would hope to think if it happened again today, I wouldn't snap like that. But I don't know. So it's good to keep these things in mind moving forward. We mm-hmm. want to you know, be aware to 
almost yeah. know how we're going to react, you know, rather than almost not, not even like a re we don't want like that gut reaction. We want to like take that space, like you said, and like actually figure out what is the best move mm-hmm. and, and be calculated about it. I love that. Yeah. I often talk about for my coaching clients, queen energy, bad bitch queen energy. And it's like, basically, if you envision a queen sitting on a throne, how she reacts and how she holds herself, the queen is never, oh my God, I'm like, I'm so, like, I'm so upset, you know, just like babbling on and on because I think there's this like trope of the female character. She's talking nonstop. She's like super upset. She's all emotional. And when you do that, you actually put yourself in a position of weakness because like the queen sitting on this throne and what is she doing? She's like, as the subjects come up to her, you know, they're basically like, they're trying to make their point. They're like, oh, please, like, here's what we need for their village. Here's blah, 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 like, blah, blah, blah. And all she does is sit there and like ask questions. She's like, okay, tell me more. Why should I listen to you? It's this idea of like leaning back. I was like, a bad bitch doesn't lean yeah. in. She leans back and observes. Oftentimes, the subject who's coming up to the queen has no idea what the queen is thinking. Because they're like, I hope she likes me. I hope she gives us the money. So channeling that sort of queen energy where you're like, I'm just going to sit back and observe these poor little subjects trying to affect me and trying to provoke me. If you Mm -hmm. channel that, then it's like they can't take away your power. Typically, it's the six foot four perpetrator and then like five foot two me. And I'm just like, sometimes you see women and they just like look at you and they're like, are you kidding me? Like with that look, it can like yeah make any man feel like a piece of shit. And because you're just like, you're so not worth my time. It really is. It's like, I have other things to do in my empire. You are so small. I could not even care less. Like, let's move on. Absolutely. I'm now always going to be visualizing that. It, like the <laughs> visualizations always help with memory. So that's awesome. Yeah. So we've exchanged a few emails and I noticed that your signature line is, unapologetic worth and wealth in web three. I don't know what web three is, but I would love to know. I don't even know what web one or two is, but can we get into that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So we are actually updating that tagline to unapologetic worth and wealth for women overall. And web three is like one of those things underneath, but I can talk about web three because it's so inherent in the crypto blockchain culture. So high level web one was Think of like static web pages. It was just AOL, Yahoo, really, really basic web pages. Web two was like e-commerce. That's like what we have right now where it's like you have all these tech giants like Google and Amazon and Facebook. They all own your data. And it's the, the age of like putting your credit card in and then transacting. Web three is the advent of blockchain technology where everyone's talking about crypto, right? And the underlying basis of Web3 is that you own your data because the technology allows it so that it's like, I own my data, not Google. Okay. That's like very high level how it works. But basically, we're entering the age of Web3 where this technology is making it possible for us to actually own our data, own our own information. And it's very new. That's why it is so important for women to actually start getting involved because at a macro level, the financial system, our economy has always been controlled by a small group of wealthy white men. That has happened for generations. They control the banks, they control the Fed, they control really anything where money is involved. 
they're the, the leaders of our countries and our companies and like the Fortune 500s. And so that means if you're a woman, if you are a person of color, if you are not wealthy, if you don't come from like the elite, you are effectively an outsider. Like you don't benefit from the system. And so going into Web3 where there's like blockchain, there's crypto, there is this potential for the first time ever to completely disrupt this very, very outdated centralized system where all these like rich white men control the system. With this potential, it's like if women actually learn how crypto works, how blockchain works, there's this potential to create an entirely new financial system where it's like we actually have the power. And there's obviously a lot of complicated stuff on the tech side, but that's like the overall like concept. And oftentimes like we hear in all these headlines like, oh, crypto is really volatile, blah, blah, blah. And that's like the, the news making it, you know, we focus on the volatility. But at the end of the day, it's like it's not even about crypto. It's about the technology that's building it. It's kind of like people don't understand how the Internet works, really. but it's under yeah. everything. So it's the same thing here. In the future, people aren't going to need to understand how blockchain works. They're just going to like assume that they own their own data. And that'll be like generation whatever the next one is after Z. I think it's like, what do they call it? Like alpha or something? I think we're starting. The is new, it? The, I have I no think idea. we're starting from the beginning because <laughs> we started Z. Now we got to start from A and like alpha is like. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So we brought up crypto a few times. It's been a subject I've been ignoring the past few months because it's a tough subject for me as an investor. I believe it's going to come back. We're just, you know, in a season where it's down. This would be the time to buy it. What can you tell women about getting into crypto? Yeah. So what I just shared was really this overarching why of why it's important for women to participate. Because We've never affected change by sitting on the sidelines. And I think for so long, we've mm -hmm. taught women to sit on the sidelines, to be afraid of investing. So 90% of money articles that are targeted towards women are negative or about spending less or saving. And it's the exact opposite for men, where 90% of those articles are about investment and growth and opportunity. This goes back to the good girl brainwashing, where it's like, we just have this very, very deep ingrained sense of like, I don't want to invest. I'm afraid to invest. Whether it's crypto or tulips or stock market or startups, it's just like the world is not giving us the accessible language and tools to feel comfortable as women to invest. So with crypto, I think of it as this isn't the first time that there's been a massive drop in crypto prices. This is like the third time of what we call crypto winter. So it's like, you know, winter is when mm -hmm. everything shrinks. And the thing is, like, every time there's been a winter, things always go back up. But in winter, it's like all the things. So in summer, there's a lot of hype, right? It's like everything's blooming. Everyone has opportunity. And winter is actually like the strong survive winter. The people who survive winter are much stronger when things go back up during the summer. I actually really like when it's winter because that means a lot of the hype dies down. The things that are shit, their true colors show, meaning like they were actually shit. This is actually the time where projects that have real value, like people who are really in it for the right reason and building long-term value, like, and really genuinely believe in it and take the time to understand it, they're long-term investors. And those are the people who are going to benefit. I would just say for anyone who's new to it, don't obviously put all your eggs in one basket. Like don't put all your money in crypto. It's still a very risky investment. But also really ask yourself after joining communities, maybe with like-minded women and asking your questions and then like 
at least putting something in like even $10 makes a really big difference because you're like okay I have skin in the game and when you have skin in the game you're more likely to want to learn and ask questions and decide whether or not this is something that you want to believe in long term yeah so what goes down must always go back up yes I'm waiting (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been so informative. And like you said, the underlying reason why we want women investing is because currently we don't have the power without the money and we can't have one without the other. It's not money just for the sake of having money. It's for the sake of doing good with it and helping others and bringing other people up. And I think what you're doing is so important and educating other women on the subject is so important. So I want to acknowledge and appreciate that about you and your bad bitch empire. Thank you so much for coming on. Where can people find you? And is there anything else that we did not cover that people should know about? You can find Bad Bitch Empire at badbitchempire.com. I'm at Lisa Carmen Wang on every social channel. And then from there, it links to all the Bad Bitch Empire social channels as well. Couple things. I think if you are a female investor that's interested in investing in female founders and startups, definitely join our email list because we're going to have the fund announcement officially and how you can be a part of that soon. And if you are a female founder who's building a company that's either advancing women's health, women's economic empowerment, or access in the work, place we're gonna have a opportunity for you to pitch our investors as well so make sure you stay tuned for that on the website so exciting thank you so much for being here lisa thank you take this pink ribbon off my eyes i'm exposed and it's no big surprise
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.